0: And pretty much, if you look at what we're going through right now, if you look at what's going on in the world and you look at Scripture, you understand that we are in very, very dire times. It might not feel like it because you have a job and you have money, but Jesus said this, when you look at the sky, you're able to make out what the weather is going to be like, right? And right now we we turn on TV and they say, oh, it's going to be rainy or it's going to be sunny. They're able to look at the signs in the atmosphere, and determine the weather to come. And Jesus said, you need to know the times that you're in so that you know what's coming. And when you look at what's happening right now, we're heading more and more towards the end of days. And so it's important that you attend this Bible study so we can unwrap what's going on right now versus what the Bible has said so that we're not caught flat-footed when these things happen. Jesus says, I'm telling you these things so that when they happen, you know what to do. So it's a warning so that we know what to do when they happen. So Bible study on Wednesday night at 8 o'clock, you'll find the link, the Zoom link. It's always the same. You'll find it on our Instagram, which is RBC Youth Ministry, and then the uh, RIA... Dot reach, R-Y-A dot reach. And you'll find the, uh, the link for Bible study. It's important that you come. Father God, we come before you, God, and we ask that you speak. You speak to your people. You speak. We don't want to hear the words of a man, but we want to hear the words of God. In Jesus' name, amen. So last time I was with you, I preached on being someone after God's own heart. And we looked at the life of David at the beginning, and what we saw is that, you know, David wasn't perfect, but David was available to God. They told David, come here, he would be here, go there, he would be there. So David was available to God. And so the first thing, as we're proceeding in this 2021, that I would want everybody to have, including myself, is to have a a willing heart, an available heart, to God and, and, and take that time to go before God and say, God, what do you want me to do? Whatever you want me to do, I'm here. Like the song you used to say, the old gospel song says, Lord, I'm available to you. My will I give to you. Use me, Lord. Let that be our attitude of our hearts. And, and as we saw that in David's life is that he was available to God. And so we're, we're, we're going to pick up this story as one morning David wakes up and his dad tells him here's a lunch for your brothers bring it to them. Now you know that David lived in a city called Bethlehem and then his brothers they were out in the valley and they were part of the armies. They, he had there were 8 in the family his three older brothers were in the army and they were going to fight the Philistines, right? And the Philistines had assembled on one side, and the Israelites had assembled on the other side, and every day there was a giant coming forward and giving a challenge. Um, And the challenge was pretty much, if if you, you guys send, I'm sending my best guy, you're sending your best guy, and whoever wins, wins for the whole country. If you guys know the movie Troy, that's kind of what happened also in the beginning of that movie. And so, Goliath comes, His name is Goliath, He comes and he defies the Israelites for 40 days. But Goliath is, is big. Goliath is, is, he's massive. He's like, if we do the conversion, he's like nine feet tall. And just to put that in context, for those of you who remember the Marvel movies, the uh, MCU with all, what, Black Panther, Captain America, all those movies. Remember Thor? How many people like Thor? I see the ladies like Thor. Amen? No? Okay, well, Thor was six feet three. Hulk was eight feet something. Goliath would be nine feet. So so I'm six feet two, so now you add three feet up to that, and that's Goliath. And Goliath is massive, right? So when Goliath comes out and he challenges the soldiers of Israel, they're all afraid. The Bible says they're all terrified. Grown men, but they're terrified. Nobody wants to go fight for 40 days. And David, which is still a kid, probably 17 years old at that stage, arrives on the scene, and he's kind of trying to gauge What's happening, And that's what we're going to pick up. So I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles with me in 1 Samuel 17, starting from verse 24. First Samuel 17, starting from verse 24. And it goes like this. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, Goliath, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who comes up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the man who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way. So shall it be done to the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the man. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why have you come down? And and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know that your presumption and the the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Was it not but a word? And turned away from him and toward another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before, as before. And so we see that Eliab, he's mad, right? He's mad at his brother, but why is, what did I do? Like, have you ever had, especially if you're young, you're doing something and you're not doing anything wrong and they get mad at you? And so, so Eliab, for some reason, he's mad at David. And at that point, all David is doing is asking questions. But what we see is that Eliab is, is projecting on David. Eliab is projecting on, on David. Because you see, verse 24 tells us what? All the men were afraid, including Eliab. And David comes on the scene, and David is asking questions. But the one thing that you don't see in David, you don't see any fear. David is not afraid of anything. He, he, he's still gathering the information. But 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 Eliab is projecting on David. And, and you kind of know, you know, like when you're the older brother, you don't want the younger brother to, to, to especially like, they're like eight. Eliab is number one. So that guy, that little kid, that little jet is number eight. Eliab doesn't want his little brother to upstage him. And so Eliab goes and now he starts being demeaning against David. So, oh, with whom have you left those few sheep? You ever had to come to somebody and try to diminish what you're doing? Try to, 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 you did something good, but they try to always put it down. Eliab is trying to put down what David was doing. Oh, who, with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? And then he becomes disrespectful. Oh, I know the presumption of your heart. I know that you're proud. I know that, that, that you're evil in your heart. But once again, that's projection. Why is it projection? We saw in the previous chapter that when the prophet Came and started to look for one of Jesse's sons to become king, he went to Eliab first, and God said, not him. Because you look at the outside, but I look at the heart. So God knows what's in Eliab's heart, and God said to what is it, what's in his heart? Uh Uh-uh, I don't want that to be my king. So in comparison of David's heart and Eliab's heart, God chose David's heart. But Eliab now is being disrespectful, saying, oh, I know what's in your heart, you're evil in your heart. And David is like, What's going on? He's being attacked. And then he, and then so he's being demeaning, he's being disrespectful, and then he's being deceiving. Says, For you have come to watch the battle. No, I didn't come to see the battle. I came because the dad, my dad sent me to give you guys food. But I want to tell you, whenever you want to do something for God, whenever God has his hand on you, you're always going to have naysayers. You're always going to have people that are coming against you. And a lot of times those are the people that are the closest to you because the enemy knows that the people that are closest to you are the people with the most impact on you. And I want to tell you this morning, you don't need to waste your time talking to naysayers. You see what David said? David says, what have I done? Was it not but a word? And then it says, David moved on. Sometimes you just got to keep it moving. If you have something in your life, you have the hand of God in your life, you have a project that is big in your heart that you want to accomplish for God, and, and there's naysayers, just keep it moving. You don't have to be distracted. Don't let yourself be distracted by people trying to tug down your dream trying to talk time your destiny, Try to talk time your, 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 what's in your heart. Sometimes you have a heart, and let's say you see, you see all the kids in the hood, and you see they're not, and have a heart to go minister to them. And so, no, 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 don't waste your time. They're, 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 they're pointless. No, they're not pointless. If God has put that on your heart, then you need to go for it. Don't be discouraged by the naysayers. And so David keeps it moving. And and, and David keeps it moving because David is available to God. And when you're available to God, when you're ready to serve God, God will take you to places unseen, to to destination that you did not expect. When David woke up that morning, when he woke up that morning, for him, all he was going to do is bring lunch to his brothers. But what ended up happening because we all know how the story ends he did not expect to be thrusted in the middle of a of a national drama of historic proportion till today we talk about what david and goliath When you have a lesser team facing a bigger team in sports, it says, oh, it's David versus Goliath. When you have a political opponent, I guess a bigger political, David versus Goliath, it becomes historic and became worldwide. But that morning, that 17-year-old kid did not know what was going to happen. But he was available to God. And when you're available to God, now there's only one question left. Is are you bold and courageous enough to follow God all the way through? Are you bold and courageous? And that's what I want to talk to you this morning is about being bold and courageous. You see, if we go, we we pick it up at verse 31. It says, when the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Now this, this is boldness. So you know, it's one thing when you talk with your homies, right? When you talk smack, and oh yeah, yeah, and I could do... It's another thing when they take you, they bring you in front of the king, and and the king says, okay, I heard that you've been talking, what have you been saying? And now is the time for David to shine, or David to go hide. You ever been put in a position, and then they say, oh, well, well, you, and then you're like, oh, oh no, 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 I, I, I was just, no, I was just mentioning, no, I was just talking, Not me, Not me, no, 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 and you walk away. But David says, you know what, let no, imagine, you have to put that in your head, you have to picture this, this is a 17-year-old man, and that the whole army is there of grown men, 40-year-old men, 35-year-old men, 25, training in battle from Child, childhood and David comes with his bread and he and, and he's not a trained soldier but he says he says let no man heart fail because of this Philistine I'll fight him I mean you're five feet two like those Hebrew guys they weren't tall they weren't they weren't six feet tall so you're five feet two and you're going to fight a nine foot tall soldier and, and, but, but that's boldness that's boldness but, but in the case of David it's boldness, but it's boldness with experience. It's boldness with experience. See, you might not have the credentials of this world, right? You might not have the diplomas of this world, but that doesn't mean that you don't have the training that comes from God. That doesn't mean that God hasn't been working with you. And here's what, 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 what happens next, right? He says, And Saul said to David, You're not able to go against these Philistines to fight with them, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. So in other words, it's like you can't win. Like, Like you're a kid, and since he was your age, he's been training to fight. Since his youth, he's been training to fight. He's big, you're small. He's trained, you're not. He's a warrior, but you're a child. But here's what David said. Your servant used to keep the sheep for his father. And and when there came a lion or a bear and, and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him down and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. So, David was bold, but he wasn't not bold out of nowhere. He wasn't not, not he had experience with God in private. He had a relationship with God in private. He saw the deliverance of God in private. What I'm telling you this morning, I'm not telling you to be just be bold and, 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 and stupid, so forgive my word. Oh, I'm gonna be bold, I'm not gonna wear a mask. No, that doesn't make you bold and courageous. That just makes you bold and contagious. You have to have some common sense, right? And David had an experience with God. I'm sure when David was watching the flock and a lion came, he probably asked himself, why is the lion coming? And, and, and the funny thing is when you look at the text, it says, he starts to recount the, 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 the story. And he says, I, when a lion came, I, I, I would you know strike and, and take the sheep. And if it And then, so it goes with variables, if this, then that. And and what you realize is that it's not that David fought one lion and one bear. It's that David fought lions and bears. Now, we understand a lion, that's that's a majestic animal. Lions can stand seven, like when they stand up, they can stick seven feet tall. A lion can weigh 500 pounds. A lion, if a horse is running with one boom, the lion can... Tear tear down the horse. And the bear is even more massive than the lion. The bear says that sometimes nine, 10 feet tall when the bear is standing. And the bear can weigh up to 1,500 pounds that a bear could weigh. And David at five feet two said, You know what? I took down the lions, I took down the bear. And while he was taking them down, maybe he didn't understand. Why he was going through this. But God knew, I need you to train you with the lion. I need to train you for the, with the bear because later on, I'm going to have you fight the giant. Some of the stuff that you're going through is just training for what's coming ahead. So you need to have the courage to fight the lion. You need to have the, the, the courage to stand up to the bear because later on in your life comes the giant. It comes a giant. But if you're trained with God and you come with the power of God, then that's why David didn't flinch because he saw, I saw God deliver me from a lion. I saw God deliver me from a bear. How is, how is God not going to deliver me from a man? And he went with the power of God and he wasn't afraid because he had boldness But that. Boldness was a boldness with experience. He had that experience with God. And so that's why you you have to understand when you're going through a test, when you're going through a test, it's not just only, you know, we hear, uh, you know, your test is your testimony, but your test is not only your testimony, it's also your, your attestation that God is with you. It's also a seal that God is with you. When you go through the, val- the shadow, the valley the of shadow of death, and you're, going through the- and you're going through the grinder and it's hard, but it's also a testimony and, 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 and a seal that God is with you. Jesus says, you will have tribulation in this world, but fear not because I have overcome the world. He says, I am with you until the end of ages. So when you're going through those hard times, understand that God is with you. God is with you. And that's what David understood with the lion, with the bear, is that God was with him. And then Saul says one of the most desperate phrases of the Bible. One of the, 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 the weakest, not the weakest, but one of the most desperate. He said to David, Go. And may the Lord be with you. Now, you put yourself in Saul's shoes. He's a king. And all the whole army, nobody want to go. The only volunteer he could find is a kid. And the kid says he'll go. But it's been 40 days. If it was day two, he probably would have told David, sit down. If it was day 10, he would have told, but it's day 40. Now, I mean, we've been there for more than a month. And sometimes God can create desperate situations just to put you in position. Just to put you in position, he could tear down a whole system, put the system on its knees so that then they need you. And so it comes in a situation where Saul ain't got no other choice. So he says, you know what, David, go, God be with you. But I can imagine, as soon as David left, Saul took his little iPad of the time, and he went on Amazon, and he said, okay, uh, Philistine 101, how to live after royalty, five ways to live in in Philistine society. Because for him, it was a wrap. For the people, it was a wrap. There was only two people that had an expectation of victory. It was David and God. That's it. And for some situation that you go through in your life, you only need two people. You need yourself and you need God. You need to believe in God and believe that God can work with you. They don't have, not everybody's going to believe in you. You don't need everybody. You don't need your cousin Joey to believe in you. You don't need your auntie to believe in you. You need yourself to believe in God and believe that God can use you. the, The song says, God, if you can use anything, you can use me. And you need to believe that God can use you. The whole man, they didn't believe that God could do it. Saul, I don't think Saul believed that he could do it. Only David believed. And, and you understand one thing is that the battle wasn't David's. The battle was the Lord's. So if Iliad would have showed up, God would still have won. If Shama would have showed up, God would still have won. God just wanted somebody to show up so I can win. And so you have to understand, it's not only about you winning, it's about God winning through you. The battle is not yours, the battle is the Lord's. And so, if you believe that God can use you, and that gives you boldness. That gives you boldness. But boldness is only one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is courage. Courage. So you need to be bold, but you also need to be courageous. You see, boldness got David in front of the king. And that got David to talk to the king and and do that and and brag, you know, I'm going to go. But courage is what takes David from the top of the mountain down to the valley to face, to face the giant. The face of the giant. And so you need to be bold, but you also need to be courageous. You see, boldness makes you say, you know what? I'm going to be a nurse. I'm going to be the only one in my family to graduate college, and I'm going to be a nurse, and I'm going to do this thing. That's bold. When nobody else has went to college and you say you're going to do it, that's bold. But courage is you getting up every day in a pandemic and putting yourself at risk and going and serving the sick. Boldness is say, you know what? I'm going to be a cop. I want to serve and protect. I'm going to be a cop. And you start to say, okay, I'm going to be, that's bold, You know, I'm going to put my life on the risk every day to serve my community. But then when you see society turn against you, it takes courage now to go to work every day and still serve and protect. You said bold to say, you know what? I'm going to build a business. Yeah, I know everybody's going to work for somebody else. I don't want to work for somebody else. I want to own my own business. I want to do my own thing. And this is boldness. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to be this. So I'm going to be that. That's bold. But courage is what keeps you going when nobody else is watching. Courage is what keeps you going when, oh, you're not selling as much as you thought you were. You're not making as much money as you, you, you thought you were. But you keep at it because you have courage and you believe in the end that God will give you the victory. So you need to be bold, but you also need to be courageous. And see what, um, if we pick up the text, we'll see that David, we want to go to verse 48. And it says, when the Philistine arose, and came and drew near to meet David. It says, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. David ran quickly. And sometimes our problem is not that we don't want to do it. We want to do it. But we don't want to do it Now. We, we know what we should do, but how many times you have a conviction from God of what you're supposed to do, but then you take a step back. I say, well, yeah, yeah, but not now. Well, yeah, but we go around. And, 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 but you see, David says, you know what? I'm going to go. Not only am I going to go, the giant is coming before me. I'm running towards him. I'm running towards him. And David is running quickly towards the problem. And, and sometimes the big problem that we have is that we don't want to act quickly. But David, by acting quickly, in a lot of sense, he's what we call a type of Christ. He's an image of Jesus. You see, um, David, when David arrived on the scene, the, the people were at a standstill because they were kept captive by a giant right? They were kept captive by a giant and everybody was afraid and nobody could do nothing when Jesus came on the scene this earth was kept captive by the devil the giant of this world the Bible calls him the strong man right the strong man of, of this world and Jesus come and he doesn't have any flashy things he doesn't have a flashy armor as a matter of fact Saul gave David his armor and David put the armor on and he says, you know I can't do with, I can't do it with that I, I'm going to take that off I, I need to go with an armor. I'm going to face a giant that has a spear. He has a sword. He he has a javelin. I'm going to go just with me, like with no armor. And likewise, Jesus, when he was in heaven, he kicked the devil out. Boom, down. You know, with, with all the power and the majesty of heaven. And the devil came on earth starting causing trouble. He said, oh, that's how you want to do it. So Jesus said, okay, you know what? I'm going to come down, but I'm going to take away my glory. I'm not going to come with all my powers. I'm not going to hold with all my majesty. I'm just going to come as a simple man. And I'm going to whip you as a simple man. And he came down as a simple man to whip the giant of this world. And so uh, David came down the mountain. Jesus came down. And here's what uh, the Bible says. And it's funny because Fred Amner quoted that passage also this morning, Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. And it's funny because that shows you that even though you have multiple servants, you only have one God. And is what Philippians 2, 7, and 8 says. It says, He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient, to death, even death on the cross. And so Jesus came down. David went down the mountain. And when David saw the giant, David ran. And here's what Jesus said in John 13, verse 27. He said, and they were having the supper. It's the last supper. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told them, what you're about to do, do quickly. And it's funny because, you see, you would think maybe Jesus is talking to Judas, but I think Jesus was talking straight to the devil. He knows. He sees in the spiritual world. He sees the devil. He Say, what you're going to do, do it quickly. In other words, take your best shot. Bring it on. Bring it on. And we see the devil bringing it on with insults, with, with people spitting in the face, with, with, with nails and in the cross and all of that, that trial that Jesus had to go through and he went through it willingly. He didn't He didn't back out. He didn't try to skirt around it. He prayed and said, God, not my will. Your will be done. And that has to be our attitude where we go to God and say, okay, you know what, God? Not my will. Your will be done. And we're ready for the fight, whatever that fight is, because we know that in the end, we will have the victory. And it's, it's funny because Jesus had, Radical obedience. It says, you know, not my will, your will be done. Nowadays, in our generation, what we have is practical obedience. Practical obedience. Meaning we obey God when it's practical to do so. We obey God as long as it's, it, it, it's, it's clean, as long as it's easy. But I want to tell you, and that's not even on the message, there comes a time where practical obedience will not cut it. Practical obedience will not cut it. You see, your victory, your victory being defined as you being in the will of God, whether you live or you die, victory is to be in the will of God in the end. Your victory does not depend on you taking action, does not depend on you being inactive, it depends on you being obedient. You see, David, his victory was to take a rock and put it in a, a cloth and, and swing it at the giant and then take the giant's sword and, and cut his head. That was David's victory. His obedience was to go and fight. Jesus' obedience was the opposite. Jesus was like, man, yes, I could, but I'm not going to. Yes, I have the power to shut this down. He said to the guy, don't you think I could call a thousand angels and they, and they, would, you know, take care, they could take care of the whole Roman Empire at the time? But Jesus' obedience was in to do nothing and to let people insult him, let people attack him, let people spit in his face, hit him in his face, put him on a cross, he created nails, he could have stopped it, but his obedience was to do nothing. And and sometimes the hardest and the most courageous thing to do for us is to do nothing, especially for the people that are type A personality. You always have to do something. You always feel like you got to touch something. But you ever had a situation where you're trying to fix something and you trip and then it, it you 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 make it worse by touching and it becomes worse and worse, kind of like those comedy shows where the guy touch and then it goes and then boom and it stumbles and all of that. And sometimes that's how we live our lives where we're trying to fix everything with our hands. And what what, what God is asking is for us to be obedient and trust Him. And understand that the battle is not yours, the battle is the Lord. And sometimes the most courageous thing to do is to do nothing. They're talking bad at you, and you know you have a sharp tongue, and you know you could answer ten, 10 ways to Sunday, but to do nothing. You know, you know that they did it ten times, and, and you're, you're about to explode, but the, the most courageous thing is to do nothing. You know things are not going right, and, and you feel like you would, but God is saying, do nothing. And it takes a lot of courage to be able to self-control and say, okay, God, you know what? I'm going to trust you. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus said, you know what? I'm going to let them spit in my face. I'm going to let them put a crown of thorns on my my forehead. I'm going to let them make fun of me. Because I'm going to die to save them. The very people that are making fun of me. That takes courage. That takes inner strength to be able to do that. And that same inner strength is what God is asking us to do. He says, love your enemies. So if I see somebody that that would be my enemy, but God is asking me to love them and to act towards them according to that love, that takes courage. That takes strength. That's not what the world teaches us. The world teaches us if somebody ever did anything bad in their past, they're canceled. What God teaches us, he says, if ever somebody ever thinks, remember, I forgave you, you forgive them. They're redeemed. So what God is asking for us, from us is not to have practical obedience, it's to have radical obedience and to obey no matter what. And it's funny because... When David went, he went with nothing. When Jesus went, Jesus went with nothing. David had a rag, and then what happened is he swung, boom, and then he took the enemy's sword, and with the enemy's sword, he cut his head. Jesus came, he did miracles, he cast out demons, but then he took the enemy's tool, which was death, and with the enemy's tool, by dying on the cross, and then rising again, he took away, the Bible says, he took away the sting of the enemy. So now all the enemy could do is, you know, like a bee, mm, he can buzz in your ear, but the sting is gone because Jesus took the sting at the cross. Jesus took the sting of death, and the last tool that the enemy had was death. When you think about it, what's the biggest fear is the fear of death. But if I'm not afraid to die, then I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not afraid of anything because I got Christ. I got Christ. And so David took the enemy's sword and killed him. And and, and Jesus took the enemy's tool, death, and defeated him at his own game. And it's funny because we say, even now, when we talk about David and Goliath, when we talk about the underdog, we say David and Goliath, right? And, and, and David is considered the underdog, and, and, and Goliath is considered the big challenge. But that's not true. That's not actually true when you think about it, because when you think about it, Goliath came with a sword, but David came with the Lord. That's not a fair fight. The Lord is going to win over the sword any day. When Goliath came, he stood at nine feet tall, but when, when David came, he stood on the promises of God. The promises of God are bigger than the the height of the giant. So when Goliath came and says, oh, am I a dog that you sent a child? He says, yes, you're a dog. You're an underdog. You have to understand that the challenge that you're facing, is it might be big to you, but it's small to God. So the challenge doesn't stand a chance when you go with God. And nothing takes God by surprise. So if you're going through something right now, if you're going through a challenge, you need to understand it's because God wants you in that challenge. And God is preparing you for the giant to come. So when you face the lion, when you face the bear, when you face the giant, it's because God, you see, we are in the here and now, but God is 15 moves ahead. God is 15 moves ahead, so you don't know why you're going through this, but he knows that he needs you in that spot at that time because of what he's going to do five years from now. And it's funny because David did not know, but when he went, he was already anointed king. So the road for him to become king went through the valley with the giant. So the road the to your destiny is to the valley to the giant that you're going through right now. It was a story that um, we saw, um, and we spoke about it in Bible study, but it's, um, it's a documentary. It's a documentary of a guy named Molly, and they did it in 2017. He was at the movies. We saw it. It's a great story, and, and it's the story of, of an African man, right? And he's, he's um, born in Kenya, and one day, imagine this. One day he wakes up at six years old, his family's gone. So he's in a family, father, mother, siblings, and one day he gets up, they're gone. They're gone, they're just gone. And for out of the blue, his family got up and left, and they left him. They left him behind. So you can imagine as a six-year-old kid in the streets of a village in Kenya, you're wondering to yourself, God, Why? Why is this happening? Why? And then he spent the next following years begging in the streets, abandoned by his mother, abandoned by his father, begging in the streets. And he's begging in the streets, and then 17 years old, so he graduates elementary school, he graduates school, and then 17 years old, he figures, okay, you know what, there's nothing in the streets here. Let me walk 43 miles to Nairobi, the capital of Kenya. And so he walks 43 miles, I believe barefoot, to the capital. And then he starts looking for work at 17 years old. And then he finds work in a farm. And then he works in the farm. And then he gets transferred to another spot. And then he he meets a a young lady. Uh, They fall in love. And that becomes his wife. And then he starts building his company, and he becomes huge. He becomes super successful doing energy deals, coming to New York, and then his family, they're living large, they're going on yachts, and they're doing stuff, and now he's good. So he went from the slums into the palace. He went from being a pauper to a prince. Like, he's living large. Like, he's living like the best of the best. And one day, his car breaks down, his car breaks down in the city and then he got to take the bus and it's funny because he's taking the bus but he owns the bus company so right so he's taking his own bus home and while he's taking the bus home he sees the children in the street and he feels God telling him in, the heart, in his heart I want you to take care of them like, alright I'm going to donate money right? Say like, no 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 I need you to take care of them I need you to take them in he's like what? And, but he decides that he wants, he's going to be obedient to God. So he comes home one day. So imagine this gentleman, you come home one day and you tell your wife and your wife and you have kids and you tell them, guys, we're going to take people in the house. And they're like, okay. And then he starts taking one kid. Like, okay. He starts taking two kids, three kids. And then they're like, okay, he's having a midlife crisis, right? He, He is going to go, but he doesn't stop. He doesn't stop, and he sells his company. Well, you're selling the company? Yeah, this company is gone, and all I'm doing is taking, and he takes care of kids, and then he brings them in by the hundreds, and now they come in by the hundreds, and now he's taking, and now the family, they're freaking out, but eventually they got to get to it with the program, and so they get to the program, and they start working with the kids, and and there was a drought at the the time, and they said, okay, how can we fix the drought? And they they find figure out an irrigation system, and then that creates, um evaporation and then the clouds come and then they change even their own climate and it becomes this big thing so much that so when, when the kids grew up, some of them even made it to represent Kenya at the Olympics and it became this big thing and this big ministry. So, so, so when he came to his, his wife, that took a lot of boldness to say, hey, I'm going to take in the kids, but then it took a lot of courage to year after year take care of kids that are not your own. And then groom them so that they become good citizens of the country. And the impact of that ministry cannot be overstated. And that took for him to be bold and to be courageous. But I believe the only way that works for him is because he was abandoned as a six-year-old. And he, later on in life, remembered what it was to be abandoned as a six-year-old. And the challenge that you're going through, the situation maybe that you're going through, you don't know if it's not God setting you up so that you can minister to somebody else in the future. You don't know if it's not God giving you the training that you do so that you can represent his glory in the future. But what God is asking of us this morning is for us to be bold enough and courageous enough to trust him, to trust him and to walk faithfully in his ways. And that's what we see in David and that's what we see in Jesus. And so as we close our eyes, I'm going to leave you with the words as you're going through what you're going through and I'm going through what I'm going through. I'm going to leave you with the words of men of God that we know, Fred Hammond. He says, No weapon formed against me shall prosper. It won't work. Because God will do whatever he says he will do. He's not a man that he should lie. He will come through. God will do what he said he's going to do. His will will come through. And so that's why I won't be afraid of the arrows by day from the hands of my enemy. I can stand my ground with the Lord on my side for the snares of, that they have set will not succeed. And I want to tell you, whatever snares have set against you, whatever attack they have against you, it won't work. It will not work because no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Just trust and be courageous. Be bold and courageous. Let's pray. Father God, we praise your name because you're faithful and true. And God, we just want to trust you. We want to trust that you are with us. As we go through the valley and we face the giant, we know that the battle is not ours, the battle battle is the Lord's. And we want to trust you. And as we we throw our rocks, God, we we trust that you make them reach their destination. We trust that you, you will bring that enemy and that giant and put him to his knees. And that whatever weapon that they have formed against us, whatever weapons that they have formed against your church, it will not work. But God, we pray and we ask that you give us the boldness and you give us the courage to stand firm and to be your representative and to be your light in this world. And I pray for my brother and I pray for my sister that you give them courage in their hearts to keep pushing and to keep fighting until you give them the victory because the battle is not theirs, the battle is yours. And we come before you not because we're worthy, but in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen.